What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Allsmith Project. Today's guest is a retired Taekwondo athlete for the USA and a current strength and conditioning coach for Olympians and professional athletes. He's a super coach who helps ex-athletes rebuild their bodies, recharge their mindset, and regain their competitive edge. He's coached Olympians, national team members, CrossFit Games athletes, and general population who want to improve their lives through health, fitness, and exercise. Tune in as Tim helps us understand how to live a larger life. Move fast and break shit. LSKD develops functional sportswear with a streetwear aesthetic that's on a mission to inspire you to chase the vibe through sport, fitness, and adventure. I train daily in the rep shorts and love the versatility they offer. The zipper pocket is an absolute game changer. I go from training at the gym directly to meetings, running errands, or prepping for podcasts. The LSKD tribe has become true family and we are excited to continue to develop our community. Shop now at lskd.com and use code ALLSMITH. We chase the vibe here at ALLSMITH. Let's all become 1% better every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the ALLSMITH Project. Today's guest is a super coach who helps ex-athletes. He helps them rebuild their bodies, recharge their mindset, and regain their competitive edge. He's an OG in the fitness space. I've been excited to chat with him for a very long time. Today, I'd love to welcome Tim Thackeray. Welcome to the show, man. My man, Bryce, it is awesome to be here. A super big pleasure uh, to, to get to, to break this all down with you. Dude, going down memory lane, my, my yeah. roots within the CrossFit space at the time when I was full of piss and vinegar and thought I know knew everything about everything, fresh out of learning exercise physiology, learning from Mike yes. Latch at Valley CrossFit. And Mike brought me over to meet you. And you've always stood out in my mind. And it's just, I'm so honored to connect with you today, man. Like when I say some of those storytelling ideations, what comes yeah. to mind? Uh, one thing that comes to mind, you know, you bring up those days, just one, the amount of dogs that you guys had there at Valley CrossFit. Oh, yeah. was just, you know, a never ending thing of just kind of, you know, people throwing down and that was the heyday of throwing down and that was really it. And uh, the other one that reminds me of that was kind of the other side that we get in trouble with was, you know, the, the parties afterwards oh, yeah. of everything of the times of, you know, with Mike Latch at, at Blue Dog uh, there, late nights there talking all the things I'm sure that you know, he slowly incepted into my mind some of, of how training changes these things uh, that you can't quite get when you're like, no, I'm I'm snatching 90% of my one rep max for three singles on Tuesday, and that's all there is to this. And there's <laughs> nothing else that's going to change that, no matter if hell or high water comes. And you go, okay, uh, that's that, that, that's the other part that comes to mind was like just everything, training stress, lifestyle stress, business stress, relationship stress, at that part of my life was like, the absolute pinnacle of all of it because i was coming out of like when i started doing strength and conditioning and crossfit as a business uh, i had just finished being on the u.s national team at taekwondo and they weren't going to take my weight class for the olympics but i was still the top fighter in the country and i, I was 28 i could have kept going i feel like as long as i wanted so i was physically capable and could do it 
and I knew how to do a lot of this stuff, but I was kind of on that new learning side, a business that was growing and, you know, not a lot of things holding me down to go, yeah, we could stay out and you know, party on Tuesday totally, party on Wednesday, and, and do that. And, and, and you look at it and there was just all these stressors in the business. I mean, for people that don't know that, that time, if you knew your, you know, but from your elbow in 2011, 2012, 2013 CrossFit, it was just, the growth was so massive. It was booming. For someone man. who never had uh, boom, booming. I mean, you could do it so wrong and people were just like, yeah, look, this is great. Yeah, and for I'm sure. sure I fall into that category, uh, you know, of, of, wow, look at the things I messed up and it still worked really, really well uh, there. So it grew and I, I never had a job. I never totally. worked. So all of a sudden now I had this big thing that felt like this could be my life. These are the only way I understand training and only way I know how to do it. And just to not submit no matter what, and I'm going to complete this plan at all costs, uh, new marriage and all those things really kind of, for me, you asked what really comes to mind. That was, that was the crux of where this change started. You were in the, right you were in the season of a tremendous pivot where you're, you're an Olympian and this high caliber athlete yeah. transitioning to what is life going to be after this? The integration of a new relationship, the evolution of a new business, and then also at the seed stages of just the absolute growth trajectory of fitness and CrossFit. And in a, in a moment, I definitely want to unpack a lot of those things. But just to give a quick shout out, I talked about him with Rebecca Voigt. Many people do not know this name within the CrossFit space. And I just want to throw out the name Michael Latch. Tremendously yep. misunderstood. Uh, the original owner of Valley CrossFit. And the word that comes oh. to mind when I think of him is my word actually for 2024 that I assigned to myself. And that's the word play. We did such a great job in that gym, utilizing that gymnastic spring floor and the flips, <laughs> the twists, the turns, the cartwheels, the hula hooping, the juggling, the lost art in my opinion, yeah. in the world of fitness, where everything became X's and O's. How much do you clean and jerk? How much do you snatch? Are you a games athlete or not? What's your social media following? Mm -hmm. Where it became all about these numerical values of credibility, where it was like, hey, I'm going to base my level of respect based on your social following and whatever the fuck is on your resume associated with fitness. Mike didn't care about any of that. He cared about progression right. He cared about teaching people how to move better, and he cared about play. And now that yeah. I'm 10, 12 years down the road, all of those foundational principles are now coming back, and I'm like, dang it, why didn't I grab onto these sooner? A hundred percent. And I had so many nights with him where I would just, you know, pick his brain over over drinks at Blue Dog. I'm not sure if you're someone that was in the – the fitness community then i'm sure we all crossed paths mm -hmm. uh that was that was the meeting grounds of it but he was so had this way and i told him one time i go if you could put together a seminar of how to do this in a warm-up it would be i i have not met people that could do that and coming from the Olympic training center where i lived was like here's your warm-up this many inch room this many stretches this many single leg hops and it's like do 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 you do this to get this and you just rinse and repeat till it ends Right. And that's how it works. And for someone to go, you know, I'd see him write stuff down, like, well, maybe I could play on my hand like this. And do, I, I'm sure I'm doing a horrible job describing it because it's still so foreign to me, but he was such a master of 
play and getting ready and then still having to get to the point, right? Like totally. I can play. There, there's no real point to it though. We're just like, we're just playing. And you just did a great better, job like, exactly of what you said. We're like handstand play, then synergized with overhead squatting or snatching or a workout with Absolutely. handstand pushups. And yeah. something that I wanted to, to chat with you about today, this is something I th I've been thinking about recently. CrossFit in that 2008 time frame was like all of these amazing thought leaders coming into one space, yeah. putting awesome ideas on a whiteboard where everybody had subtle contribution of time domain or movements or things that they thought yeah would be great ingredients for an amazing recipe for that day. But over the course of time, what evolved was like all these special coaches. And, you know, the way I think of it, Tim, is all of us got into a sandbox and we thought, okay, let's put everything of fitness in here. Kind of like this, this huge yeah. omelet of fitness. That's like, let's put weightlifting, let's mm -hmm. put gymnastics, let's put track, let's put strongman, let's put... Um, the X's and O's of powerlifting, yada, yada, yada. And then the, the narrative for the last decade was like, all these things are in one. This is the best fitness model. Yeah. But now yeah. we're starting to zoom out from that. And we're realizing like, hey, bro, sometimes I just want the eggs. Sometimes I just want yeah. the steak. Yeah. Sometimes I just want the vegetables. Mm -hmm. When I'm yeah. 10 years down the road, I actually don't think I need to do fraying every day. I actually think... Sometimes I'm actually just going to do goblet squats and planking and master the yeah. mundane. And now it's so interesting because you could have all these different forms of, we call it functional bodybuilding. And then you have separation yeah. with monostructural work being rowing, running, double unders, burpees, simple things like that. And now we're kind of like deconstructing once we, what we once thought was like the pinnacle what are your yeah. thoughts when I kind of describe it as the like omelet and then the separation of the ingredients? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And part of that's what drew me and doing CrossFit uh, got me out of competing. I needed something to do. Mm -hmm. And I, if I didn't have found anything, I probably would have fallen back into competing for the wrong reasons. That's what I, I know I'm supposed to do. And I'm kind of good at it. Da, 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 da. So I needed something else to express that. And so that was one of the first kind of big departures of like, okay, well, this is fun. And it is fun to just lift today and just to run around the block and jump around and smack your buddies on the back, like, you know, any random thing. And that's kind of was great for a while. And then, you know, you go down, you start learning more in that sandbox of how it really works. And there, and my people that I gravitated to my two are, are James Fitzgerald from OPEX I worked with for a long time, and then Bob Tucano, who's a oh, USA Weightlifting Hall of Fame you know, for years. Yeah, he actually had his program out of my gym for a bit. Uh, I qualified for American Open as, as a lifter. And this is a funny, you know, Bob story. I went just to go be, be a better coach, like 20, 2009, 2010. And uh, my friend James Lee, who owned, I used to work for, uh, I used to work, I used to work for James. No way. So you know exactly, right? Yep. So James is a great dude. He goes, I have a weightlifting coach at my gym. Come by. Like, oh, I have a, a, a five-time world championship head coach and a USA Hall of Fame weightlifting coach. So, some guy kind of like told me to extend more or something, I think, right? And he goes, okay, he does, has me snatch, has me do some stuff. And he goes, what do you want to do? I go, well, I, I want to learn to be a better coach. 
and he was getting back into coaching more at the time. And he goes, are you adverse to competing? And I go, no. He goes, have you competed before? And I go, well, yeah, I, I won the Pan American Games and I got a bronze medal at the World Championships <laughs> in Taekwondo. And, he was, and right away it was like, you saw his eyes zoom in. He goes, okay, I will teach you about this if you lift for me. Like, done. Like, Mr. Miyagi spit in my hand. Like, yeah. So I, I, I definitely want, went down the rabbit hole with the big science-y, you know, kind of types here of, you know, the things I learned about. The, the way urea smells in a gym mm -hmm. when protein is synthesizing as a certain, like, like la layers, layers deep that I, I didn't know, you know, we were just running around the block and it was, it was fun to do. So I definitely went so much that way because that was kind of the, the background I had of it. Um, and now I've gone totally the other way to where I've probably done the same workout, like protocol for seven months, just, it feels good right now. I can recover great from it. It fits what I need. I'm not, I personally right now don't need to get a lot of like excitement out of my fitness. Yeah. It's snowboard season. So I have the output to go, okay, I can go snowboarding and that's fun. And if I do this, I feel good. I can play with my kids and you know, all that type of thing. I so love I've gaining the context of, as to why you are the way you are. And, and real quick, I just want to yeah. share a funny story about James Lee. Please. Yeah. He was fun to work for. In the sense that like he gave you freedom sometimes and then other yeah. times it was like a little bit of like this neurotic controlling thing. But at such sure. a young age when I was first getting into the fitness industry, it taught me a lot about attention to detail. And I remembered like I was his like 6 a.m. to noon coach. Then I would go to Valley and I trained with Becca Voigt, Lindsay mm -hmm. Valenzuela, Chris Clever. And then I would coach the evening classes at Valley CrossFit for Mike Latch. And so yeah. it was very different where Mike was like free spirited, go play, figure it mm -hmm. out. It's okay if things are a little bit messy. And then James was like the authoritarian, like you don't color outside yeah. the lines. And I remembered yeah. I coached a 6 a.m. class. And then I coached, I think, a couple privates. And then I coached a 9 a.m. class. And then I had a little bit of a break to train. I coached the noon class. And then I went to leave and I was organizing the gym and cleaning everything up. And he had specific tape lines as to where he wanted everything yeah. to go. And the rowing machine yeah. was, was in the right spot, but it was loosely touching the tape line. And he looked at the camera an hour <laughs> after I had left and he texted me and he said, hey man, that's completely unacceptable. Like the rowing machine does not go on the line. That tells me that you're more concerned with whatever your personal agenda is than trying to make sure that our clients and customers have an optimal experience. I would very much appreciate if you go back to the gym and fix it. And I remember being like a 23 year old kid, like having an internal tantrum, driving yeah. the 15 miles back to that place in the midst of horrific traffic and honestly hating him for a very long time about this. Sure. And yeah. now inside of the Invictus facility, man, I am so meticulous about how I clean up the space. I'm so meticulous in my home. And now I self-reflect. I'm like, whoa, my father raised me that way. There's two ways to do things, right? Mm -hmm. And again, and that in that instance, <laughs> I needed to do it again. 
And even yeah. though it was a painful, frustrating experience, I forever am thankful to James Lee because I learned it the fucking hard way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was very much our, you know, and James, I you know we had a Krav Maga background and their mm -hmm. businesses are very consistent, dialed, and successful in that way. And, and me and him had a lot of really good lunches back in 2008 and nine when we were a couple of the first, Mike was first out in the Valley and then we were the next ones in. Mm -hmm. I think I'd have like, 11 members and he had three he'd go how do you get so many members like what are you what are you doing and i'm like well i've got 11 people at my gym or might be 12 i have an intro and we'll see how it goes <laughs> so uh you know it's always very you know thinking about the experience on that side where again i came i was fascinated with that because you know came from just growing up and training in gyms and i grew up in martial arts schools but you know uh like my main team that i trained with in los angeles we had a small warehouse in chatsworth and i think we had like 12 people on our team six were on the national team but it wasn't a business right it was just like this is where we're going to come and train and throw down this is like literally like the fight club spot and so to kind of wax and wane and my wife comes from corporate background and we ran our gym together so she was all very you know like james a lot because he have that made exchange like you know blueprints of checklists and this is how it goes i'm like great I'm not the guy uh, for that, but I, you know, I see it and I respect it and I understand uh, that. And I have to make sure I keep people around me that are, that are good at that. Cause that's just not my nature at all. to think that way, but you've made it your major over the yeah. course of time, man, before we get into your, yeah. your business story, what's your background, man? Let's share some of that with our incredible audience. So they better understand the mastery yeah. that you possess from the world of martial arts and later strength and conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and do the the abbreviated version here with some of the important ones for me at least. That will give good context to other things that I think we'll talk about coming up. That uh, I grew up in a martial arts school. Both my parents were black belts when I was when I was born, so that was always like a, a thing. I I didn't train consistently, and I wasn't particularly good. But it was just this is how our family like we'd train for tournaments, kicking each other in the living room at ten, and that's what we did. <laughs> I was just, it was very normal. Like my first word was kick. Like this was, my sisters have photos of themselves with Santa Claus, right? Everything's me in a martial art uniform at a tournament. Like I just wanted to compete all, all the sports, everything, right? Like probably like you just you give it to me. You wrestle. Yes, I'll wrestle you. Yes, I'll. Yeah, did you, did you have, you had a bunch of siblings growing up? Uh, three younger sisters. Yeah. Okay. So you were the oldest. I was the oldest. Yep. And because of kind of how much of like a maniac i feel like i can be i try and keep it under wraps and i think you know on a lot of things but that drive there none of them really got into taekwondo i i always have felt like i sucked up a lot of the oxygen in the room over sports and that because like if when it's on like i said i can just put on the blinders and i will go as hard as i can until i end up in therapy right like for real this is like this you is don't need to seek edges you just blow them up <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah right like this is it and it, it all costs like how do you feel like no one asked how i feel this is what's going to happen here on this journey is going to be it so uh from 15 to 17 i tried to get serious of competing in taekwondo and i wanted to make the olympic team uh, and i lost every single fight for two years like first wow. round of every tournament so think about that in context of anyone you know you played basketball imagine like the first like and to go yeah I'm going to quit school. I quit high school after my sophomore year. 
and moved to Los Angeles and told everyone, well, I'm going to train to, to follow this dream. And, you know, people thought it was pretty crazy. What are you going to do without a degree? What are you going to do for money? And I was like, I, I don't care. I also want to point out, I, like, I, I love that do. you said you don't care, but I also want to point out, like, it might be tough for people to understand that now because, like, you have the nil, you have sponsorships, you have social media, you have ways that, yeah. like, you can make money now fully yeah. committing to being an athlete or an influencer. But at that time, the thought processes was like, hey, if you don't have a college degree, like you're screwed. That was the narrative Dude. that was pushed. Like if you don't figure this 100%. out with school, you're like a loser, or you're a druggie, or you're just like a lost cause. And LinkedIn wasn't around. Yeah. It was like the first thing people looked at on a resume was like, do you have a bachelor's? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. And, and there was no online classes. I couldn't do online college. I had tried to get foreign exchange in Korea to my high school and they wouldn't do it. So literally we walked in the next day and we go, I, I quit. And they go, oh, you mean you want to do independent study? Like, no, we're done. And I moved uh, eventually down to Los Angeles uh, here where I met kind of like my main coach and started to really uh, – turn things around. So how did you have that belief first. in yourself? Like were your parents doubting you? And obviously your friends are probably doubting you. What was going on in between your ears that gave you that level of courage? God, you know, it, it's funny. My, my dad was a professor of psychology at Fresno state and it was partly his idea. Interesting. He goes, maybe you should quit. And I go, yeah. And he was always someone that told me like, you, you can figure, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, that's how I ended up starting the gym was I was gonna, you know, I lost some sponsorship money and I go, and I was like, Hey, maybe I'm going to uh, serve some tables at a restaurant. My wife worked at, I'll pick up a couple of shifts at BJ's. And he goes, I, I think you can figure it out. Like try like try not to do that. Okay. I started training some kids in my driveway in Sherman Oaks and that turned into the gym. So I, I guess there's been a little bit of belief of just like betting on yourself at every step. And also just formulating your risk tolerance and your, your willingness and ability to, to deal with uncertainty, which are probably yeah. two, one of the best attributes of an entrepreneur and person yeah. in pursuit of helping others. That, that's, that's fair to say also, yeah, that you, you kind of have to develop those qualities or, or allow them to emerge uh, there. Cause I wasn't like, I wasn't the natural. I wasn't, uh, Oh, for sure. If he focuses, he'll get it. Like I had, no idea. And I thought, gosh, if I could get in third place at our national team selection one time, that people would have to say I'm a good fighter. Like you'll, you'll be forced to, you know? Uh, and so great. A couple years went by, I went and I had been to our national championships a few times and I had never meddled to get into our team selection. I won nationals and I made the national team my first, my first try wow. at it. Like it just was a skyrocketing, like, okay, now I'm fighting around the world. Now I'm living at the training center. Uh, same thing. How do you level up now where like Apollo Ono lived there, Ruan Gardner lived there, these people that you see on TV and are absolute legends. You know, just down the calf eating bread rolls and whatever else they're, they're doing or, you know, seeing Apollo. I've never seen him front squat three plates one time uh, just repping. And I was like, okay, well, they're not messing around there. Yeah. Like these people here are at a level that are really, you know, he's not a big dude, uh, really know how to play. So, kind of also wanting to be in that bigger pond always of like where are the real people doing it. How much I'm do you okay. categorize your personal development to exposing yourself to 
that level, right? Like changing your environment, changing the people that you were surrounded by, because I mean, watching the way you lit up just now in describing Apollo yeah. Ono front squatting 315, yeah. that gives you a new perspective of what's possible. How did that impact yeah. you and your development? Peptides. There's been a lot of buzz about peptides and what they can do for the body, skin, muscles, and health. What exactly are they? And do they live up to the hype? Your body makes peptides. They are strings of amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins. Peptide therapy involves using prescription-based peptides to help treat and manage a variety of health conditions to maximize performance. Peptides consist of 2 to 50 amino acids and are made naturally in the body to act as important signaling molecules for many physiological and cellular functions. There are over 7,000 known functions of peptides in the body and adequate levels in the body are imperative for performing at optimal levels. Discover a transformative journey to optimal well-being with Live Peptides. Live Peptides offer a natural and effective approach to health support. Embrace the difference. Choose Live for a path to vitality that prioritizes quality, innovation, and your unique wellness goals. My personal favorite is BPC-157 with thymosin beta for optimizing gut health, tissue regeneration, and healing. Head over to livenatural.com and use code ALLSMITH for 20% off peptides. That's L-I-V-V-N-A-T-U-R-A-L.com with discount code ALLSMITH for 20% off peptides. It was everything. I didn't know it at the time, but that person who I was was a you know, good kid, I'm sure, uh, you know, has some talent or whatever is not the person I know I am now. And it's from those, those jumps mm -hmm. and those risks there that uh, I was 17. It was my first adult national championships and a, a close family friend who was someone who was, was someone in, in the community had athletes, had people of, you know, some, some record. And he basically told me and my dad, does Tim have a killer instinct? He saw me fight. And so that idea that I didn't know how to activate that switch. I didn't know how to tap into it. It was somehow there, obviously, like I didn't go buy it, but it got developed, but I wasn't that person and I had to keep doing it. And so it does become, you know, the, the skill I learned in fighting wasn't so much like how to fight, but how to problem solve that knowing mm -hmm. myself so well, and here's the big thing that I do wrong. Well, you probably see it too. So you're going to now try and make that a point to beat me to expose that. So I have to not only be able to fix that in myself, but also improve the other skills I need to, to have ability to beat you, not just not to mess up. So that level of like having to look at yourself so clear and uh, knowing really where you're at, that I wasn't at that level at the time. And okay, well, it's not going to magically happen. Totally. It's not going to magically happen. It's not. I love that intrinsic belief you had in yourself. And, and I love bringing up that famous Tony Robbins quote, which is, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. Yes. And it sounds to me that at an early age, you burned the boats. But I guess my curiosity there, Tim, is early on, did you find yourself operating more out of fear than out of love? Rather than I love this sport and I'm trying to do excellence within this? Was it 
well, I gave up everything else. If I don't figure this out, there is no backup plan. So I better figure uh, it out. Uh, definitely a little bit. I always think I was someone that really wanted to compete. Like I just, I wanted to go do, I wanted to go play, uh, you know, from back to back to back events, uh, you know, growing up that so many people that, you know, I get to work with now have kind of similar pieces of that they, they really love that side. So I, I it, it was how high can I fly? What can I accomplish? There was a part where I almost quit, and before I had what kind of made that first national team, I saw all my friends hang out at college. We we're at twenty, you know, spring break, and I'm going, ah, this not this. Well, I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have any money, I don't have a car. I sleep on a futon right now on the ground in a place on room I'm renting in Reseda. Like, this is not super great. And I thought, well, you can quit, you can go to school, you can have those things. But the truth was that anyone could have those things right now you, you too could have a futon on the ground like like they weren't things that you had to particularly like work for to have but this one diamond i was trying to get still was such a piece that you know i had to solve kind of almost myself uh can are you capable of doing this or are you not and i was just fascinated and what got you over the hump what got you to the level of success where you had fulfillment yeah it was Later in my career, actually, uh, there was a big part of, I guess, the first four years on the na- I was on the national team, and I had some big wins and some big events, and I was traveling the world, and I was competing, and I was making, like, I was getting paid now, and this was all really good, but I always felt like I'm, I'm going to lose out. They're, they're going to take this away. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it uh, there. Once I got to where I felt like I was really, like, at a mastery level of fighting. It doesn't mean that I was the best fighter in the world, but I could manipulate the variables in the moment how I wanted. Once that happened, I remember I could just walk out into a ring and just like, we're about to fight. And so what people will do is they'll try and stare you down or they'll try and do something. And younger, you're like, maybe you look away or mean doggy back or whatnot. And I could just stand there and like, okay, well, we're gonna fight. like. We're already going to fight as hard as we could do. What, what more do I need to do? I was just so confident in myself uh, to go stand there. Yeah. And there was a, an event. We were in Colombia, I think 2006. And long story short, there was like the, the final match. And it was supposed to be double elimination. And I had fought really poorly early in the day. So I lost a fight. Worked all the way back to a loser's bracket to the finals to fight Cuba. And they had protested and said, you can't fight come do you know this should be over the the winner's bracket should only be for the winners and i said double limb and i remember just standing there in the ring for about 30 to 40 minutes just standing at the thing this totally confidence it's maybe 11 30 at night going let's just let's just i'll fight you right now you have to be i'll beat i'll beat this guy three times i'll beat you five times like i don't know if i could or not but i had that belief there that yeah like i i can go as high as i need to go right now in whatever tough situation and uh, it was from those times of like, you know, being broke, being tired, like absolutely not, not knowing if any of this was possible at all. And uh, kind of putting those reps in, those really challenging reps at, at a place where you are, like you said, that first part did have a lot more fear for me. Totally. Yeah. I love to say yeah. that uh, fear has a, fear is a great motivator. Yeah. yeah. At that time, Tim, what was what was the greatest advice that you'd ever received at that time when you were competing at, at the highest level in Taekwondo? 
God, the some of the best advice, you know, because I, I think I came up at a place where I I wasn't like I wasn't the person I'd get in the, again I get into the pool where I was fighting you're gonna fight an Olympic gold medalist you're gonna fight an Olympic silver medalist you're gonna fight the world champion and you see them and you grow up and I wasn't at those tournaments so I would you know go well, I, I'm fighting the name I'm not fighting you as a person or a fighter I'm fighting these past titles you have right and to understand someone told me that you're just fighting a chest gear and a headgear. And that was the protection we wore for the stuff. And it seems kind of simple and almost trite, but that's it. Like they want this day and, and really to look at it now, I, I look at almost all the the titles and events that people have and they'll say, well, so-and-so got third place at this event, right? And, and a young Tim would be like, oh my God, I'm fighting. Bryce got third at this event. That means he has this thing. But I literally thought people had special moves. I was 18 at nationals and I fought the Olympic silver medalist uh, and I was like, well, he has special moves from the Olympics that they bestow upon you. Like you got knighted or something. And I fought him and he beat me, but it was right. It was like, okay, I was, you're just really good at your stuff. So, uh, understanding it was just a chess gear and a head gear that if you got third at that event, that means you lost to someone there in the semifinals, right? Well, who's that guy? Mm -hmm. What's, what's his draw? Who did this person really beat to get third there? And you look at him and you go, well, that guy's not good. Right when you really know, and you go in quarterfinals, and what happened? Well, this person bowed out or forfeited in the round of sixteen, and the thirty-two got injured, and you go, well, now this person got third. It's whatever, right? Like it's great. Like I'm sure I probably would like to have that record, but deconstructing it down for me in a really logical way took that power away and go that that was then that was 2006. It's 2007 right now. That was this day. Well, who did you even beat? Something that comes to mind there is the famous thing that I heard Kenny yeah. Kane, a uh, close friend of yours, say. He goes, we love to coach the human yeah. first. And what I'm hearing is you were fighting the human first. You got rid of the yeah. resume. You got rid of the accolades. You got rid of whatever entourage came with the yeah. name that created some sort of ideation. I mean, I remember playing high-level basketball in the inner city of L.A. at Taft, oh, yeah. and we had all the sponsors and all the notoriety and all the things. It's like we won before we yeah. even started the game because of just the swagger that we had walking into mm -hmm. the game and the notoriety that came with it. And you had this unique ability to kind of just like put the blinders on and be like, no, dude, you put your pants on the same way I do. We both need to consume – optimal protein, fat, and carbs in order to be yeah. here and, and articulate and fight yes. and express our craft. Yes. And at a young age, you developed this ideation without all the extra baggage. It's almost like watching a movie or something without the sound. Right. You're like, no, these are just animals. Yeah. These are characters. Mm -hmm. These are things that are doing things that I can also do. And I think it simplifies everything to the point where it's just like, we're going to do this thing right now. And I'm going to give my absolute best effort and let the cards fall where they may. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That It was, again, later in my career, it was how high can I fly to the sun? At first, it was survival yeah. here. If I lose this fight, that means you're this and that. It, it became like where for eight years, I did not look at the brackets or know who I was fighting at a tournament. Right? Straight years. Which is honestly I just, good. I just show up and like, 
So, you know, like that thing in a tournament where you're walking by and you see other teams, so you kind of look at each other, right? People would look at me and I was like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, you can look at me all you want and everyone might be, but I have no idea what's going on here. And so I got in this habit. And again, to deconstruct it logically, you think the finals is the best, right? I have to be ready for the finals. So do you take it easy in semis? Because you get sniped in the semis, right? You lose now to a team you shouldn't have or a player you shouldn't have. So if I'm going to be up for finals, I better be up for semis. You work back and on a big day, you have about six matches in the same day, right? Very similar like to a wrestling mm, tournament. A yeah, yeah. It's the same idea. So at 9 a.m., I'd say, Tim, your fight one. I drink a whole Red Bull before the fight. Because I didn't know I was fighting, and I assumed I'm fighting the best person in the world this first fight. And now it's the second round. You go, okay, you can see who kind of won or lost, but I don't really know. So what's the only logical option then? Another red, like I had to get so up for every fight, but it became about like what I could control, how high I could go, how much I could push there versus anything, anyone else. So uh, it, you know, deconstructed a lot of that initial fear of there of like, well, what do you want to do, Tim? How long do you want to do this for? And it was, it was my so terms you, on, on that in, in a lot of ways. Totally. Yeah. Red Bull, give this man a sponsorship. Yeah, yeah I remember I, I just, just shaking <laughs> in bed, just shaking like, oh, I, look, but I, I didn't know another way uh, to do it because I was, that was, I was at my best. Like, and if this was a price, again, if I had to pay this price to be at my best, that was it. And I was going to put the blinders on Looking and go. back at your Taekwondo career, man, like, what would you say is like the biggest takeaway for you? Oh man, the the biggest takeaway for me is I, I really do have a, a core belief that I will figure it out. I will somehow mm. put this together and I've got to be, and, and this may not be necessarily a positive thing in all sorts of ways, but that I have a really strong internal belief that I don't really need anyone else and I will figure it out. I mean, I need my wife, I need my kids. Other than that, like, you know, I'm going to figure this thing out here somehow might be by talking to you and doing I things but i i don't expect anything just is gonna magically happen oh cool oh look there's some money there's not gonna be money not gonna... Go, go get it done and there might be but I, I that's probably the number one thing i got and i remember when i retired i sat in my coach scott's office and i go i'm i think i'm done and it was right before the 2008 games and he goes yeah and i'll never forget he goes you solved the thing you needed to solve and it was that internal belief that was I capable of doing this? And that was, I look back, that was really the big journey for me was interpersonal versus, you know, like I didn't make the Olympic team. I didn't, I, I beat the Olympic gold medalist. I beat the Olympic silver medalist. I like, so I, I know I was at that level. I did not go. So that stinks on some levels, but I can't control that. I can control how good I was. That's and, really you know. special, man. Like the belief component is, is huge. Yeah. And something that comes to mind that I want to share with you is that famous Alex Hermosi quote, which is, you don't become confident by shouting yeah. affirmations in the mirror, but by having a stack of undeniable proof that you are who you say yeah. you are. Outwork your self-doubt. Yeah. And it sounds like in the beginning, you know, you're taking the leap. You're jumping on the island. You're burning the boats. You're telling everybody, hey, I'm quitting school. I'm pursuing this new dream, which at that time was so different, so wild. It was, it was very risky and volatile to the cognitive perception of that time. Yeah. 
And then over the course of time, you just kept showing up. And not only did you show up, but you developed new tools in your toolbox to keep sharpening that sort of confidence. And then you eventually got to the point where a lot of my special forces and Navy SEAL friends down here in San Diego love to say, all problems are solvable or everything is figure outable. And you really understand that now. Okay, if I need to, I will untangle every last inch of this problem. I will get it down to its root core. We will rebuild it from scratch, but I'm going to figure this out. And then I'm going to find a way to use this new skill set to positively impact the world, monetize it, and create something different. And that's what I see when I, when I, when I look at Tim Thackeray. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's cool to hear. And, you know, my, my, you know, John Swanson, he used to run the granite games, a really close friend of mine. Yep. I've crossed paths with him. We trained with him in 2018. Gotcha. Um, when my final, my final year competing. So I've crossed paths with him a little bit. He was good friends with CJ Martin, our founder at Invictus. So yeah, he's, John's a super smart, super smart dude. And he's helped me a lot business wise and, and different things there and we always joke with each other that we can break it and we can rebuild it or we can just build a whole new thing like just each have that kind of like yeah like we'll figure it out he's one of my people that i'm constantly like you know bouncing stuff off of or gives me a gym and like okay we can build it we can build the airplane while we're trying to fly it and we'll again we'll figure it out somehow this thing is not going to crash and if it crashes we, we have the parts and we'll build we'll build it again and I'll build it again. And I really, I really yeah. like that, that thought process and that mindset of just like no fear, let's go do the thing. And, you know, hopefully it goes this way, but if it doesn't go according to plan, we have the confidence that we can either fix it or we can rebuild. And I, I hope people listening to this today can grasp onto that and find a little, a level of intrinsic belief to then pursue what lights their heart yeah. on, on fire for sure. How did you ultimately find your way in that transition of, hey, I was this high-level taekwondo athlete pursuing the Olympics and doing the thing at a very high level, and then eventually finding your way into strength and conditioning? Yeah. Because before I let you answer that question, in my opinion, and I've gone through this probably the worst way possible in comparison to others, it's like you have this ideation, you're loved for your function in this thing over here. And then you're trying to utilize, as Logan Galbrick would say, the transferable skills in a new arena over here. You know they're applicable, but you don't quite know how to do the new thing. And I look at it almost like a rebirth. This identity actually has to die now you're in the midst of a cocoon while you're trying to get over here and spread your wings like the butterfly. And you've become a master at this. And I think so many ex-athletes get lost in this level of transition. Yeah, it, for me, it happened from a, a full-on breakdown. And we started the gym, and the, the middle part of where this happened uh, was, you know, I thought I was going to be, I had gotten to graduate school at UCLA for political science. I was done with sports. I wanted nothing to do with them. Right. I was like, I did all this work at the time. I was kind of bitter about, about it. Right. Like I, I thought I was at this level and to see like the people, my peers at the Olympics doing it and going, well, you know, I don't know if I could win or not, but I, I belong in this group. 
I know objectively I, I do, and I wasn't there. So I, what's the opposite of sports? Political science, right? Like just no, no uh, athleticism needed at all. So I was going to do that, but I didn't want to have to become like a TA or get like grants. So I thought I'll just train kids in Taekwondo on my driveway. So in my wife, my fiance at the time, I started training kids from all around on my driveway. That turned into the gym because I was going to lose them in the winter. Must do a little extra CrossFit and boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden now I'm supposed to be a strength and conditioning, supposed to be a CrossFit coach, right? I'm doing it. And again, I knew how to do stuff, but I always had a little different slant. I feel like just because of what my background and biases were uh, in, in training for a specific sport. So I did that and it was the same thing. I was, I didn't really ever have time to mourn my career or to go, wow, you did that. It was like, I stopped, you lose the funding. I picked up this, the gym took off and we were just in survival mode of, we went from like, what was the name of the uh, first uh, gym? again? Uh, it was CrossFit North Hollywood at first there. And it was CrossFit high voltage out when we moved to Burbank. That's what I yeah, remember. That was the one. Yeah. And uh, so we went from like, you know, the first, you know, six months, we had 30 members, maybe to over 300 within two years for someone who had no wow. job skills, no background of it, just could be a maniac and go. My wife, we met doing Taekwondo. I met her at my first practice in Los Angeles and uh, re-met years later. So she can be a maniac too, as far as like, let's go, let's go, let's go do it. That's cool. The the thing that comes to mind that I really want to highlight though is like you've said a few times now like hey I've had no job skills. No formal job skills that maybe go on a resume. But you definitely had skills yeah. that could then be transferable as far as the discipline, the consistency, the attention to detail, the social skills, the problem solving, the belief, the ability to manage a wide array of personalities. Maybe the business side of things was tough and tax law was tough and certain legalities were tough, but you kind of had the skills. Like, how did you learn to integrate those into a new arena? So it was was that day when I retired, my coach was talking to me and he goes, what are you thinking of doing? I go, well, I think I might open a gym because X, Y, and Z and, you know, it's going to be in grad school, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, you'll do good at it. He goes, because you get to be competitive over it. And I thought, okay, that was one of the first parts, like the first little seed in my head ever of going, okay, I can use this tool in a different way. I can use it here. And one of the things that I like about business in a sense, if if you had the fifth best strength and conditioning gym in the state, you're probably killing it. If you're the, if I was the fifth, fifth best fighter in the state, I would have ran away and you'd never have seen me. And I've been super embarrassed by it. So it's, it's a big platform to kind of express that piece again, which was nice. I was trying to learn how to do it. But at the same time, I started competing in CrossFit some, uh, you know, we are like our team made it to regionals uh, some of those years and that I qualified for American Open. I won the California State Championships for weightlifting. And I was doing this and I thought, oh, this is great. I've, I've got it figured out because I'm training. And if I train, I'll get more money. If I train, I'll get more members. If I do this, if I lift this weight, if I win this tournament, I will go X, Y, and Z. And all of a sudden, it crumbled on me. It crumbled Something on me. Something that I want to throw out real quickly in relation to what Please. you just said is yeah. just because something is hard to obtain doesn't mean that it's valuable. 
And at that time, like it was hard to obtain that level of fitness. It was a different flavor than what you had experienced in Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. So it created this cognitive ideation of like, oh, I've got this shit figured out. Little did you know, it's like, whoa, how do, how do I monetize this? How do I turn this into more members in my gym? Mm -hmm. How do I get more learning lessons that are applicable to the future? Yeah. So what kind of came next after that? So I, after I, I got to go back to the Olympic training center in September of 2012 and train with the weightlifting team there. Because it's an Olympic year, and I think it was right around when the Olympics were happening. Uh, it's all, all the vets are gone, or they're competing, or they're resting, and it's all the young kids. So we used to host these camps uh, when I lived there for Taekwondo, where you know a bunch of people kind of like me in, in weightlifting, or decent enough would come by, and they'd, you know, like a fantasy camp, right? We're going to lift with you, we're going to kick you some, and oh, got me type deal. And we always, you know, kind of low-key, because we were full of ourselves, made fun of them a little bit that you were here, they were here, and, you know, because we were so hyper-focused in our one area uh, of doing it that doing it as a hobby didn't make sense, right? And so yeah. I was there, it was all these 18-year-olds that could lift, and it was me at 33, trying to lift, and I was not bad, but I was not good. That's tough. So I looked, and I saw everyone, and I thought, you're the person you used to make fun of, Tim. That's who, like, that's who you are right now. And there, and I couldn't get myself to to do it. I started seeing this other side of like my life of wow, you had gotten the way you had money for the gym was from fighting, and that's good. But that's also how you got by and survived. That if you did this, it meant everything was going to be okay somehow. And what a survival skill it was, which was positive. But all I could see was the negative part of like, well, what if I don't want to lift today? Does that mean I'm I'm not valuable. We had our staff all trained up, so I didn't need to code classes, right? That's like, well, what am I needed for here? And I had this very like, you know, super hard time uh, with all of that of kind of looking back and I, I literally look at a barbell and I, I laugh. I go, I don't want to touch that. That's that pain. That's not, totally. that's not awesome. And so, yeah, that, that was the big, the big breakdown where there was like six months I couldn't even go into my own gym. Wow. Yeah. I, I want to jump into that a little bit. There's a, a thought that comes to mind, which is before growth feels like liberation, it feels like destruction. Yeah. And I feel like everybody that I know who was a former athlete goes through this. Yeah. But it's not talked about. Everybody talks about the highlight reel of being an athlete and what was and the, the good times. Back in the day, I was doing X, Y, and Z. And then they talk about the new thing. Uh, something I love about podcasting, man, is the messiness. Yeah. It's the fumbling of words. It's the, it's the trying to gather our thoughts in the midst of conversing around old stories. And at that moment, man, it sounds to me, and you know, I'm going to speak for myself yeah. here. I'm not going to speak for you. But from the age of maybe 12 to 24 I would go to like a holiday get together and people would be like, Hey, how's basketball? Yeah. Or, Hey, I saw you on ESPN yeah. or, Hey, I saw the rankings or I saw you in the newspaper. And it was like this validating pat on the back yes. that I didn't actually even comprehend really. It was just like what I did, but also who I was yeah. in my internal identity. Yes. And then when that was gone, it was almost like people would pursue me in a holiday get together 
and they didn't know what to say. They're like, hey, you used to be a thing, but you're not really a thing anymore. And so what I've struggled with is like, oh, you actually share love and validation for my function, but not, but not for who I am as a human being. Yeah. And I've really deconstructed that over the years where it's like, I hate titles. I don't need letters after my name. I'm just me. And that should be good enough. And, you know, some days it is, some days it isn't. And I'm sure you go through this level of coaching with other people because you went through it yourself. But I know so many former NBA guys, NFL guys, or former Olympians that have gone through this, this tunnel phase of like, I'm not who I was, but I don't feel ready to become who I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of just lost in the abyss. When I kind of describe all of these things the way I have, I can see you like really excited to share over there. I'm, I'm so eager to hear what you have to say about that. No, you're just hitting the nail on the head of like, this is something very specific that happens to people who were athletes. And when I say athletes and a lot of people give me crap about this, but here's how I define it is that an athlete is someone whose lifestyle has to support their training. That is number one. Right. Where if it's date night on Friday, like when I was dating Carly before, she would never ask me if I had a tournament coming up to go on date night Friday night. Cause she knew Saturday morning we had practice at this time and there's timing for a certain beat because we had to match our circadian rhythm with what the opening of the tournament would be. Certain things had to happen weeks out. What is something you did as a child? that you no longer do as an adult. For many, that answer is play. RX Smart Gear allows for your daily workouts to turn into play and exploration. In my training, the Frivo rope gives me access to a versatile rope that I can take with me wherever I go. On the road, at the beach, to the park, or playing at home, RX Smart Gear jump ropes fit my needs. We at Allsmith trust RX Smart Gear. Their gear is always reliable and gives me peace of mind that I will have top-notch equipment to support my health and fitness journey. Hop on over to RX Smart Gear and use the discount code ALLSMITH to shop their latest cutting-edge gear. Have your gear work with you and not against you. I still got you. I just wanted to write that down for a moment. I like the way you defined an athlete as somebody who has a lifestyle that needs to support their training. I think that's a really cool way to describe it. And like all of us have unique goals or the famous question, what do you want? That's the outcome over here. And then we can obviously work backwards. But when I kind of describe that in between, it's like a unique transition of like, how do I become this next thing Mm -hmm. with the former ideation? It's like a recreation of the story that we tell ourselves of why we're loved in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and that was at the core of so much of again when I kind of had this big, you know, breakdown, starting this transformation. Uh, now it's been over a, a decade of it, but going that that was kind of how I got attention and love, and not that people were intentionally doing it. That's just like you said. That's just what talk about. It is kind of fascinating. It is neat to see someone on ESPN. Of course, you're going to talk about it, but that became this thing. I realized I was doing it over and over. I was doing it with CrossFit. I was doing it with weightlifting. Well, if I get this, that means now I'm valid. Well, you know, James Lee had plenty of members, right? He didn't have to, like, so there are other ways to do it. Like that, uh, I think they call it the own it protocol, right? Can you, 
explain the story in a different way. Are you, are you certain, Tim, that the only way you can have members is if you go lift this weight? Is it possible that other people have had successful businesses and good marriages without having to make themselves bend until they break? Well, maybe there is another way to do that, right? Uh, you know, so if we look at, you know, that, that my training always had supported, my lifestyle had always supported my training. The opposite then is that now my training needs to support my lifestyle. So then you get back to, like you said, who am I? What is my lifestyle? What are the things I want? How does this all fit together? And that was just really challenging. But one of the things I kind of learned here was, and you probably saw it coaching so many different people. I have a theory on who the most consistent people in the gym are. The people who are never athletic. Who are those? The people generally who are never really Mm. athletic. Now, some are like, I I get Dusty Highlands in the gym every day. I've worked with Dusty for years. You You have some of those. But for most people, look at the ex-MBA people you're talking about. How many of them don't look like themselves anymore? Probably a lot more, right? How many athletes do you know that have let themselves go somewhat to where they want to get back to where they feel comfortable? They might do stuff, but they don't. And it's because they know this other side of them is possible, is my theory. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes hard to match that. They think they have to do things an old way where... If you're just, hey, I, I want to come to the gym. This is super fun. You want to go to the gym? We swung kettlebells today. That was awesome. What are we doing tomorrow? Like it's fascinating. It's fun. It's it's great. They can come consistent where so many of the athletes, even when we had uh, like a, say a team at the gym or whatever, would be on. And then when it's off, you're off, right? When it's off season, mm-hmm. like I'm off when I was training. Like, there was I'm no, curious there was around no this thought process for sure. No. Because a part of me agrees with you where it's like, absolutely, man. When you have some of these NBA guys that were used to playing in front of 40, 50, 60,000 yes. and you can feel the rumblings and you mm-hmm. get the dopamine high, it's really tough to then come into a gym where yeah. it's like, hey, nobody cares if you do your first kipping pull-up. <laughs> right. Right. That famous yeah. line, nobody cares, work harder. I love it and hate it at the same time. Right. But you know what else I see within gym spaces? The ones that are the most consistent are the ones fighting the demons. Mm -hmm. The ones that are former addicts, the ones that, you know, had some sort of traumatic response happen. I've seen the really cool thing at Deuce Gym in L.A. where they're having former incarcerated people coming in and they're forming this bond around like, hey, you're not who you were. You can actually evolve into something new. And it's this amazing community orientation that they've formed. And and what's interesting is like, it all comes down to the story that we tell ourselves. If we have this, this false perception of reality as a former athlete, it's like we always think we're that person still. But over the course of time, with distance and with time, the body composition changes, your capabilities change. You try to turn it on like you once did, and it, it doesn't quite go as fast, and it's not quite getting there as, as rapid as you once thought it would. You get those little tweaks, and I almost feel like it takes that that deconstruction or that moment to be like, whoa, I actually need to ask for help here, or I need to find something outside of myself to reignite that fire a little bit. Yes. And you've seemed to become a master of this with some of the world's highest performers and people that I've crossed paths with, like you mentioned, 
the Dusty Highlands. Is is he still at Dogtown? Uh, well, I think they shut down Dogtown at the end of COVID. I, he's uh, coaching, okay. and there's, there's all sorts of Dusty projects he's doing. I think he's at Oak Park at, at Kenny Kane's gym out in Santa okay. Monica. Uh, there, okay. I've seen him uh, coaching out there and working with clients there. So I'm sure he's nice. He's a mastermind. I think he's the, the creator of the Skill Wad back yep. in the day. Yes. Which was cool. Yeah. And then you've crossed paths with other Olympians. You've mm-hmm. crossed paths with Lindsay Valenzuela. Yep. What's been your unique skill set and your ability to connect and resonate with these people? Because there's a lot of us out there, man. And we're yeah. all seeking just that that co-pilot that can kind of help us see clarity. Yeah. That at, at the core of it is we have to learn to use that special superpower because it is special. It is something that you can't just go grab and even if your dad is a successful athlete you have insights to it but you still have to go through it yourself right you've got to go earn that gym at at the core so how do they use that but in a new way for their new life right like my life now i'm 44 is different than 34 way different than 24 but at 34 i didn't know it i was trying to use it the same way i was trying to like let's add on more training stress I don't care if my lifestyle stress is this big, like a, a huge cylinder full of stuff. And before I had none, right? Like when I lived at the little training center, they paid us food, medical, housing. Like, what, what are you stressed about? Let's go more training stress, right? Let's go more, more, more. So when that change is helping them understand that this is still valuable, if we don't use it at all, they end up apathetic, right? You end up like the lion that's in a cage at the saddest zoo in the world that's like, are like that's not who you are Mm -hmm. so then they do this and i call Mm -hmm. this the negative athlete mindset loop you wake up one day and you're unhappy but you're not sure why and so you're like i know what to do i'll go hit the gym i'll go do the things i used to do you're gonna pull off your 2018 cross the games training plan right this is the one i'm ready you do it and you either end up aggravated you can't pissed off or apathetic that you can't do it and you're like i won't even try I don't even, you know, or you go so hard that you, you tear your other UCL, right? Like one of those two things is going to go on apathy or being aggravated. And now it becomes mental. You start talking trash to yourself. Why can't you do that, Tim? You could do it or God, I guess you never could have it. So it's one of these kind of two pieces comes up for people. And so we have to understand there. That's where, again, I take a lot of pride in the term X athlete where people don't, you're always an athlete. I'm, I'm not, I do athletic things. Yes lots of them but my training now supports my lifestyle my training is to be a better dad better husband focus good feel good live super long all those things is my training so i have no no problem saying that where for some people they still again they're battling that demon or battling that that change so be open to the change no that's that's very well said man yeah and something that comes to mind that i think will resonate with people is how you get here is not how you get there. Yes. Yes. Right. That's a pretty simple way to kind of describe it a little bit. And I mean, even for myself, like trying my best to lift some of the weights that I once lifted, it doesn't feel good anymore. I don't want to limp when I walk my dog. It doesn't feel Um, good. And and I've finally gotten to the point where I love customizing workouts. Yeah. I love playing with the stimulus. I love understanding certain things and being able to share little tidbits to Mm -hmm. our 20 year old athletes that 
are in pursuit of their peak expression within the world of fitness and how they get there and the tricks and the trades and and the things that were very helpful for me and others along the way. But it does take some time to find that level of peace. Yeah. And I wish I would have crossed paths with you sooner, man, because the downward spirals that I went on and the extensive injuries that I just kept gaining across time were very tough. And you feel very misunderstood yeah. You feel like a Ferrari at the bottom of the ocean that just like can't quite figure out yeah. why it won't work. <laughs> right. And, it, yeah, and it's like, you've time. done such a cool job using that psychology background from your father, going through it personally, but then also just having the wherewithal in the business, just pursuit and bravery to be like, I'm just going to go do this thing. And I'm sure there's been different iterations of your coaching of and helping of ex-athletes. I, I'd love to describe that for people and kind of paint the picture as to how it started and how it's evolved. Yeah, uh, I mean, definitely when we had the gym, it, it started that I was helping a couple friends, actually helping uh, one of my old teammates from the national team that uh, ended up making the 2016 Olympic team, Stephen Lambden. He was one of my first clients. The second one was my mom. My mom is at the time oh, in her sixties wow. and she was on the national team for like, uh, easiest way to describe it's like for like technical Taekwondo, almost like figure skating, right? Like a like Kata mm-hmm. and karate type thing. And, uh, so there were two of my first, my mom ends up winning three world championships, uh, in a row for her age group in Taekwondo and Steven makes the Olympics. And again, it was like, had this great big gym and it was fun, but something about that spoke like, ah, I can, I can focus a little deeper here with this sub niche doing it. So as they grew and as, you know, Steven grew and other people changed and my life changed and other teammates and, you know, people started reaching out as their careers ended. It kind of forced me to look down a a little more that people had never competed uh, over stuff other than, than sports and understand there's lots of ways to compete. Like people had never competed over their health before. I talk to people that you can actually compete over your blood labs. You can compete over your in-body scan. You can like, these are things that you can use that tool for to go like here. And so now it starts to make sense. You go, okay, I have a goal. Yes, I have a guide. Yes, I, yes there's a plan and there's a deadline this has to happen. That sounds like sports, right? We're going to go mm-hmm. fight this person on March 31st. And this is our plan to do it. And this is when it has to happen by, I can't call them up and go, Hey, I'm not quite ready for this tournament. Can we push this back two weeks? Like, sorry, like you have to show up here. So something about that, we need that to happen. But people will go too big. Ex-athletes specifically will go too big. I should run a marathon. I should hike Everest. And it's like, well, how about we just like first get this first phase, like you said, on track. And that is like going from, you know, being an athlete, eating like an athlete. I mean, you probably don't need 600 grams of carbs a day anymore right to do that especially then people are set, like, all those things have to change and we only knew i i thought i was just magical that i could just eat taco bell every day i literally thought this like i just i can just do this is how my body works i'm special oh no it's that i'm training this much and i'm 26 like it sounds like pretty much every other 26 year old athlete right but i internalized it that that was kind of me so understanding how does it change how do i use this competitive piece of myself in a new way. And then you're on track. 
And now we start looking at, right, like, well, what is next? Okay, well, if competing over my health was good, we kind of can go two ways. It can go back to you should lift, you know, more, more volume, more things in the training, which for some people, they resonate with that. For me personally, that doesn't resonate as well because I think, you know, at least my own bias coming into this was the training supported the sport, supported the endeavor. So actually really having to re-engineer a new hobby or endeavor or passion piece for them becomes a long time play. I like that, man. There's so many things that are coming to mind as you're describing this. The first thing that I really want to highlight for people is just the competing in a different arena. Sometimes that's for a DEXA scan. Sometimes that's for an in-body. Sometimes that's for, in my case, I want to practice the art of presence. Yeah. I was never here. I was always in pursuit of there. And like who you were is not who you are. Mm -hmm. And just really owning that and then really grabbing on to the three principles that you mentioned, which is having a goal, developing a plan, Mm -hmm. and having a deadline. And that allows you to be comfortable with change over the course of time. I I really appreciate the way you described all of those things because it gives a little bit of just a landmark and so many people go too big too soon they're trying to get that apple at the top of the tree you know they're probably going to fall off the ladder which i've done many times just go for the low-hanging fruit build that momentum create a new set of habits and recognize that like you can do similar things but they're not going to be the same and you wouldn't want them to be because if you're the same now that you were 20 fucking years mm-hmm. ago, you haven't evolved at all. Right. And nobody wants stagnation because yeah. that's hell's waiting room. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to be the same when there are so many things now, you know, the old uh, OPEX line of live a larger life. I always love that because I didn't, I was mm. really good at this small area of my world and it meant something to me. And I didn't care if you thought about it or not. I wanted this and now to go, wait a minute. I can go like I'm going to, to one of the things I train for now that I compete about that no one knows and it doesn't make sense. I compete about snowboarding, which seems like how do you compete? I have certain vertical goals I want to hit. I have a goal that the start of the season, I try and ride bell to bell, opening bell to closing bell without stopping. And that forces me to now go, well, you better be in this much shape. And now you better chew your food, lift the weights and do like the things you're supposed to do that. If it just runs forever, for me, I never did that. It was always built around and we're hardwired to have an event. You didn't just play basketball games. You had a season. You had playoffs. You had five. So something about that for us, like I, I still think in, in quads. I still think it's 2024. That's the Olympic year. It doesn't really mean anything for me, but somehow that just always gets me going. So now I have a, a goal here. I'm going to Jackson Hole in a week with some, some buddies that can ride a lot better than me, but we'll be doing you know, like 40, 50,000 vertical every day and hiking it. So I'm, I have that now. And then the spring you go, well, the snow's melted. What should I do? Yeah. Wife probably wants to go to Vegas. So maybe it's a good time to now focus on aesthetics for a little bit and do that. Right. And now yeah. it is the fall. Like, so you can kind of use that as leverage around the year to make it each piece have meaning and not just do that long-term drift where again the back to love back to my theory that the consistent people in the gym never had like never i don't want to say for everyone but for a certain subtype for sure 
their fast day is come into their class, check the box and leave. And they're great and they're healthier yeah. and better from it. And we need more <coughs> people doing that for sure. But for me, I personally aren't, I'm not wired to do that. I need to go what's coming up and it's good. And it changes what's coming up and it's here. And so now we get into kind of like training competitive goals. What's overreaching? Well, should I go helicopter ski in Tokyo uh, in uh, Alaska? Maybe a little big for my britches, right? Maybe that's going to be too much here, but what's the next logical goal to make sense across the year. And you just can just rinse and repeat that for years and years and years, because like I was saying, that gets me to choose the food, choose the food that gets me to lift the weights that gets me to go to bed on time because I'm not good enough at these new endeavors to just go do it. I can just go. Totally. It's not, the not way you then. said that man was, yeah, for sure. The way you said that was so relatable and I'm very fortunate to cross paths with Laird Hamilton and some of the big wave surf community. And Laird actually said it once to me in the sauna. I was like, Hey man, like, like what's your goal in big wave surfing? And he was really like, I just want the freedom to pursue big waves and be with my family and keep having fun and keep innovating. And I thought it was so cool the way he said that, but I didn't really have a great grasp on like a structure around that. And I I like the way you said it with goal variance where, okay, first quarter of the year, it's all around snowboarding and trying to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm consistent, I'm trying to get a vertical and then Maybe I integrate a trick here and there. And then, you know, another great goal that I wish was talked about more. And I've been talking about this with a lot of people within my community and my tribe is it's really awesome to leave the gym feeling good. Like, Hey, I left today and I, it, it, I didn't set any world records, but I'm not like, Oh my gosh, my back's tight from those RDLs or like, Oh man, like my ankle hurts from those box jumps. It's like, wow, I'm leaving today. And I feel good. And what that relates to that I think you'll very much appreciate is this conceptual comparison between the game of infinite rules, which mm-hmm. is, hey, the goal of the game is to keep playing yeah. versus the game of finite rules, which is I'm training for this competition, for the CrossFit games mm-hmm. or for a high rocks or for this thing that has a definitive deadline, as you described before. I think the majority of people need to understand that like playing the game of infinite rules is really fun because it gives you the freedom to do what you want when you want. And then within that, you can then take your fancy highlighter and make quarterly goals or weekly goals or smaller parameters or bite-sized pieces that allow you to have a few low-hanging apples in pursuit of the apple on the very top. Yeah, and with without those pieces, it becomes too abstract of like, I'm, I'm training for life. Like, you know, okay. Are you lifting heavy at all? Like you might need to do some, right? Like there's no structure within it. And then the too structured approach puts you back into my small world. I'm good at this thing, but who can, and, and that was challenging. And this was really hard kind of coming out of, you know, the, the rebirth and the restructure of all this for me in my mid thirties to lift the weights and to not care, right? Was was hard because then you go, well, you actually don't get enough out of it. I cared too much before and that was, I was very fit and healthy, but the lifestyle stress and the psychological stress broke me down. So finding how yeah. do I make sure there's enough intent in, in this training and recovering the pieces of my life that 
we know that when we do them well, we live long and prosper and everything's good, but not so inhibited that you can't, right? Like that becomes so challenging for most people to hold because all we ever learned as an athlete was lift the weight. And if you don't leave the gym beat down, you probably didn't do it right, Bryce. Like that was a reality. Yeah, you for didn't work hard years, enough. Right. That was, that was it. Mm-hmm. And that, again, back to that, where your uh, training and your lifestyle are at odds, right? Your lifestyle is having to support yeah. your training because that's the only goal. Break yourself down, come back stronger. Break yourself down, come back stronger. Well, that's not quite as fun anymore at 44. And I still like to work hard to do the things I want and to do them with the people I love and to share the experiences and then to also be in a place where I, I am proud of those experiences. I am proud of the things I've gone through and every concussion and broken bone and, and loss. I need to be able to share those with the people I love and not from me telling them, hey, my daughter Aubrey, sit down and watch dad's old fights. See here, I fought it. Mm-hmm. She's going to have to learn it from me, seeing me still jump a fence and still fight with like those things or at least how they were passed on to me. And so there's something about that knowing that that's how at the core, a super special thing that no one can fake. You can fake a story of being Al Bundy throwing four touchdowns in the high school football game. Anyone can say that, but to really show it for me is a, a big form of love of having to one, take care of myself in a way that I can share this side with, with the people who need it. Yeah, man. I, I, I really like that a lot. Thinking about, you know, thinking about it, writing about it, talking about it. None of those things are, are being about it. And so really walking the walk and not just talking the talk. I have a little mini rant that I I want to share with you. And that is, here we go. A little drum roll. I feel like there's an element of ego that needs to be deconstructed as the athlete transitions to the level of ex-athlete. And just speaking for myself, you know, there was a time where self-reliance is everything. Just keep pushing. If you're tired, disenroll from your emotions and just find a way. Seek the guidance and the help when needed. One foot in front of the other, all gas, no brakes. You're going to figure it out. All problems are solvable until they're not until the injury happens until the emotional breakdown happens until you're homeless on the street in pursuit of this in pursuit of this thing and honestly man i probably sound old curmudgeonly and bitter when i say this but that's what i'm seeing in crossfit now back in the day it was hey tim you and i are doing a five by five back squat and in between sets Okay, maybe we'll mobilize a little bit, but we're actually just fucking around. You and I are like, you know, screwing around as we're resting between sets, trying to build to maybe a heavy five for that day. And I read something that CrossFit posted on their threads that I, I really liked, which was the ultimate goal is not just to be better at CrossFit, but to be better at life and to revel in the adventure of living it fully with the people you love. And that goes back to what James Fitzgerald said from OPEX, which is the goal of all of this is to live a larger life. Mm-hmm. I've been the guy that's fully surrendered to the CrossFit Games experience. I still coached at the time. I still did other things. But that was nu- numero one in my life for a long yeah. time. The thing that's becoming a little bit challenging 
is that it's the sole focus at the cost of everything else rather than supporting everything else. And so I'm very curious your thought analysis on your perspective here. And, and I don't mean to put down high competitive CrossFit athletes by sure. any means yeah. because it takes a level of sacrifice to be at that level and do the thing. It's so hard now and the constant variance is so high. The weights are so heavy and there's just an enormous population of people that are really freaking fit individuals. Yeah. But I'm trying my best to like brain dump all of this on my humble rant in pursuit of trying to gain a little bit more context. Yeah. The, like you said that, you know, there, it was super important to have gone through that. And I don't think I'd be the person who I am now. And Glenn, I know this isn't what you're saying either. If I just was, I'm just going to keep it cool. My early twenties. Hey, don't, don't push too hot. It is important to get a narrow focus. It is important to, to go all in yes. for something and, and to do those things. But how far is too far? Yeah. You got to you got to tinker with it a little bit. For sure, right? You've got you got to burn your wings on the sun a little bit to do that. It is knowing that I did not know this other side even existed. I didn't know there was another part possible. It was just do this and that's what life was. And this is what it is. So again, so now something's wrong with me because that doesn't fit anymore. So I took it internal going I'm I'm broken, I'm busted. What's what's wrong with me? Why why can't you lift the weights? Why are you, you know, not wanting to do these things? You've always solved it from training. If it didn't work, more training made it better. Because they were training competitive-related problems. So a lot of times that kind of made sense, even though they're you not know, always. So I guess for people knowing that there is a different gear and there are different phases to it that, that do honor the hard work you put in. I wouldn't be enjoying the things. I wouldn't be the dad I am. I wouldn't be uh, at the coaching program, any of these parts, if it wasn't from that side. So to have a space where that's not who I am and I'm okay with, you know, for lack of a better term, like the death of who that person was of competitive full on, you know, full athlete, Tim, he, he had a great run and it's great. And this is a, a new person that I really like uh, better, get through a lot more cool things and a lot more cool experiences and everything, but there's space to grow from that. And there's space to develop and, other people go through it, but no one's, again, no one's really talking about how unique that is for you know, people that push it for a large part of their life and, mm -hmm. and, and their life's dependent on that, you know, because it was, that was how I made my money. That was how I did you know, every single thing seemed to come from those experiences. And so uh, if I would have known, oh, you just, you know, you make these shifts and here's how you do it. And yeah, it's a lot of work and it's still not easy. It might have been a little easier. I might not have ended up in therapy five times a week, you know, type type deal for a bit. But at the same time, that was super important too to try and attack it and go, okay, this this sucks. Let's not stay here, <laughs> you know. And mm -hmm. and it was all really from that. It, and it's such yeah. a beautiful thing, right? Like, and and hopefully, my tone do doesn't depreciate any of those things because oh. I very much needed to go through it. I think other people needed to yeah. go through it and need to go through it currently. But something that comes to mind is just nothing lasts forever. And what a beautiful thing that is. Yeah. Right. Like the change and the fluctuation in season and in training style and where our attention and our interests go is important yeah. because there are so many 
biologically beautiful things like having kids, growing as a father, learning new ways to adapt in the business world, and not just your new expression of fitness with snowboarding and hiking and exploring Vegas with your wife, but all of those things also encompass nature. And I think inside each of us is this this subtle connection to want to be grounded and exploring what else is out there and connecting with the sun and the elements. There is something to that that makes us truly human that I think ultimately we get to. And fortunately, our expressions with fitness and breathing heavy and camaraderie and community and doing hard things ultimately leads us to that place of like, whoa, there's this other thing that I actually couldn't see but I had to go through that first level of the video game to yeah. get to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being petrified. I, I started dating my wife when I was 25 after the first Olympic quad before for the next one, we started dating. Pet, petrified. I was petrified to add in uh, a variable like that to this. I was petrified, but it made me better. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm better at this. We're having a little balance in every step of the way that we've, done that and you go oh and we have kids well how am i gonna how am i gonna work how am i gonna do this with kids and you go oh my gosh my business is bigger and better like i'm focused so every step of the way when it comes it has been very scary to add on again just i guess that initial core piece will always be there of i want to isolate and i'll just figure it out but i've added the piece and added the piece you do more things you travel more Mm -hmm. you're like wow it's better again and that, that is possible and that then it becomes what you're interested in, what you're fascinated by. Are you able to stay in a place in your life where you're in that positive cycle of adaptation, meaning you have the things you like, you're, you have foods that you really like right now, you have activities that you like, you have people around you, you really like. That doesn't happen all the time. And so when you do, I think, how do you stay in there so long? And there's just so much long-term growth from that and you can be in a good a good cycle. Like I, after I, I went on a month long snowboarding trip to Utah last April, my family, and it was really fun. Came back in good snowboarding shape and really crappy fitness shape. Right. And where to my daughter goes, uh, dad, where are your, where'd your abs go? I was like, shit, like I'm not flexing, but like, I, okay. Like she, she was right. You know? And I, I found, uh, that's what that had to hurt so oh, bad brutal. at the time, man. Brutal, dude. And, <laughs> and my wife was like, she nodded like, yeah, like, okay. I, I you, you need people around you to keep you at your best for sure. Um, even if you're seven year old, little, little turd nugget, but you start finding some stuff. Like I gotta get back on, you gotta go back through this stuff. And you know, you find a workout you like, and now there's space that I found a couple workouts that I've liked. I've literally run them for eight months straight with like the most minute variations is there's space for that. There's space to these other things mm-hmm. to like, I've never done a, a workout plan, the same one for eight months. Like I have to change it here. This And just to have discovery around things of what you're fascinated by that, you know, what is it? The foods, what is it, the way it affects my body? How does it affect my sleep? How does it affect my goals to have something just that simple of back to working out at the core? How does working out do this? And how does this affect that? but in a very new way. Yeah. A couple of takeaways there are um, simple doesn't mean easy. That's the first one. It sounds like mastering the mundane always seems to work because it's rinse and repeat, as you've said a few times. 
And then there's also this broad concept of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a common thread that I've seen speaking to a lot of very successful people on the podcast. And that is find what works and then do more of it. Yeah. And I think it's totally cool that you're finding things that don't cause harm, right? The number one goal of a strength and conditioning professional is do no harm. And then it's like, okay, like we can do things that are challenging, but maybe they're a little bit risk adverse. So you're not tweaking an ankle, knee, hip, or wrist. So you can continue to snowboard and do the things that you love. Exactly. Yeah. And you look at then the data, like, well, I feel good. And I go, well, I'm also gaining muscle. I'm also losing fat, right? Like the other things that you go, okay, under the hood, okay, my labs are good. Yep. All these things are, are there. So you're like, well, I know I'm not being soft in the sense of, oh, I'm just doing this workout. Oh, because it's, yeah, I could do jazzercise every day and it wouldn't leave me broken either, but I probably wouldn't be able to do the things I love for what my pursuits are. For some people that may work really well, mm-hmm. that wouldn't work. But, you know, you that thing where you almost can get soft from uh, from certain things that, I don't think it is. So it's, it's working. Yes. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I wake up and I'm excited. Like, you know, do that same thing again. Great. And it'll probably, maybe it'll change. Maybe there won't, but there's so much space now to kind of follow this where it goes and stay back in that, that kind of circle and cycle of adaptation. So I'm constantly focusing on, am I there? Right. Am I, my numbers going up. My, my drive is there. I have things I want to do. Right. Apathy for me is a big one. I can, you know, I can also at the same time, you know, sit sitting on the couch in the same pair of sweatpants for four months. I don't want to do so. Right. Like that. that so <laughs> having to honor that, yes, this is important to do, but to hold it in the right place because it can be too powerful. And I quit my job, sit down my coaching program and go compete again. Like that part mm-hmm. still, it comes up once in a while. Like we were just at the Olympic trials uh, for Taekwondo last week. And I saw people and I'm, and I'm 44. I'm not going to compete anytime soon, but I saw him and I'm like, I could beat that guy. Like literally I'm like, and I, I'm dead serious when I say I'm convinced I could beat that person. I also know that's just in my head, right? Like you know, without, without totally throwing my life away and everything to even attempt it. So it has to stay in check enough to be on fire, but not to be out of control. And I know yeah. for so many ex-athletes that wax and wane is challenging there so much. They get going good at something, this feels good. And then it's on, and then all of a sudden now it's spiraled into the next the next thing they're trying to avoid from the last failed endeavor. Like how do you enjoy mm-hmm. jujitsu enough that you love it, but not so right that you're still home for for me, home for dinner. Right? Not like yeah. sorry, babe, now it's just it's just Taekwondo three Sorry, I got to do this. Yeah. No date night tonight. I'm- it definitely evolves and the plate gets more full, yeah. you know, with more responsibilities, more interests. Like you said, back in your Olympic training center days, it was like training was the stress yeah. and you set up all your lifestyle factors to not have to think or not have too much additional stress on your plate. So you could narrow your focus and a focus and attention seem to be some of the highest forms of currency right now. Yeah. especially in a social media age. And as we kind of wrap up our conversation a little bit around the transition of athlete to ex-athlete, something that I'm sure you talk about often, which is don't be afraid to start over. But this time, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. And I think it's important to highlight that word experience. Yeah. 
and, and make it a belief and a really strong core value of athletes as they transition into the next chapter of like, you have experience. You just need to learn to express it and use the paintbrush a little bit differently. Yeah, because it's such a valuable skill to let that part of yourself, I mean, to let that part of someone's self just drift away or to, you know, most people don't have something they did as a through line in their life for 10 years consistently, maybe school, but no one, you know, most people aren't super soaked on grade school through high school. That's an endeavor that you're like, this is who you are. And then to just throw it away is very hard. And so of course there's going to be some, of course there'll be some identity pieces. Most people like have not done a career nowadays. Do people really even do careers for 15 years as adults? They change and that's totally fine to do. But that that core piece, you have a special ability to use, but it's got to be used really in new ways. It's the core of it. You're still competitive. You still get up and you're driven. You have a focus. You have things you want to accomplish. But also there's a big net to win now. Like I said, if you're if you were the third best strength conditioning coach in the country, you'd be training whatever athlete, whatever position you wanted anywhere. You'd have more money than you had to do with. You'd be pumped. You'd be pumped. If you're look look at a pro athlete, they they lose, right? The Eagles lose in the playoffs. Sorry if there's an Eagle fan, just happened. You lose and they're like fire the coach. Like this is not like so they're the sixth best team in the world, and everyone's like, ah, this is horrible. There, there's so much space to win now. There's so much space to, to do this. And we come from that kind of zero sum game where it's not a zero sum game anymore. But uh, trying just to pretend that that was never you doesn't work. Trying to twist it to go, well, I'll train the same way doesn't really work either. You've got to, you know, I just keep coming back to the word honor. I've got to honor who I am, who I was, those experiences, the people that supported me through that. That makes me who I am. That makes you who you are at a core level, but how now do you use that to go, well, let's make the next 15 years really great from that. And then there'll be a new lesson and new learnings from these next 15 years, right? And 15 years now yeah. I'll be going, okay, well, it's not the ex athlete was that phase. I thought that was it forever. Maybe that is a phase. And now it's going to be this next stage that I'm unaware about. And I'm going to get hit in the face with, I hope not <laughs> hope it's good, but, but <laughs> just to be open to that change and where before I didn't know, change was even possible uh, just totally. like I said, that was you know, eat taco bell on the way to practice and this will just go on forever it was a legit the human mind is funny man it always it's totally yeah. i mean the human mind thinks like what can we get away with right and we get away with it until we can't anymore and you know a, a major thought that comes to mind is maybe we lose just enough so that way we can give meaning to what remains and I think some of those remaining attributes are what you've expressed in your beautiful life so far. And I want to jump in next, Tim. You've talked a lot about being a family man and a father. What are some of the things you're dabbling in now? And are you still a part of the youth empowerment program that you started back in the day? Yeah, definitely. The you know kind of wanted to combine uh, the idea that we come from a martial art background here and we saw these CrossFit Kids programs and my, my good buddy who's kind of the inspiration uh, of how he runs his program, uh, Tony Graff, Anthony Graff was, we were roommates at the training center. He has this CrossFit Kids program. It's like 150 kids. 
And Whoa. yeah, yeah. And you look at most other people's stuff and you're like, it's my, the joke I have is it's four kids in a room with one coach yelling, everyone shut up. Grant, I'm not talking about you specifically if that's someone's going to be offended, but that, that, that's the joke because they don't convey the value of it. Martial arts schools have endless amount of kids. And it's not because I think, and my daughter goes to a martial arts school. She actually goes, which is kind of cool, to the same school that my wife grew up going to. With the, with the grandmaster's son is now the teacher there. So it's really, really cool uh, to, to just see that. So we're big believers in that. And it's not because I think she's going to learn to stop a bank robber with her front kick. It's of who she's going to believe about herself as a person, right? The inner confidence she's going to have. So it was combining, how do we combine structure and values from martial arts with really good level-based fitness Because what uh, for kids? Because what do kids want? Piece of candy. They, go, oh, I want, they want the star. So you go, well, if you can hold a plank this long, you level up. Oh, and they're now they're all trying to hold a good plank. Well, if you can do a chin over bar hold, a precursor to a pull up for 20 seconds. Now, you, So you get them now going towards your behavior as a coach versus trying to push kids, essentially push them away. Everyone's sitting to listen to me and it's this battle for attention and focus. So uh, those are core ones really as a parent that I try to do. We try and get them to go towards the things you want, not just from, from punitive standpoints, even though I'd be a liar to say there's not times I don't you know, get frustrated and all, all the negative things for sure, right, on there. So mm -hmm. I, I think I'm a, a perfect dad by any means. But, but with that program, the other things we do, they were really kind of expressions of growth as, a, as an adult, but also seeing the things that we maybe lacked or had to get and solve as we grew up. That so many times for athletes, they train physical, 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 and at the end they go, you got to want it. Right, the mindset is the last piece they put. And we go, well, what if we said mindset is the initial piece we train people on, got them to believe in themselves, got them to be mentally resilient, and now we can add on physical capacities. And so what it turned out was, I like that. yeah, and that's what parents want for their kids. Again, they cross, they can go play at the playground on some level, right? Or when it's time for football season, they'll quit. But martial arts school, that doesn't really happen. Right. Because yeah. that is invaluable. You are the co-parent with them. So we wanted to create a system that goes, well, what if we took these pieces that we know parents absolutely need and won't get rid of, but put it into a, a fitness format. That's yeah. rad, yeah. man. I really appreciate you sharing yeah. that and giving a little bit of insight into the order of operations where mindset comes first and they don't even know it. It almost becomes subconscious mindset because they're doing certain things in order to gain the, the reward on the other yeah. side. But the reward is this internal belief that then is a support system for themselves across a lifespan Yes. as opposed to, you know, starting with ring rows and banded pull-ups and assisted pull-ups and then feeling like, Hey, I'm jacked at 13 and I, I do the physical, but I don't really know why I did it. And I'm probably going to let this go when I get my first girlfriend. Or the, 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 car, the fumes, car fumes and pure fumes. They smell that and they get out of it. Or the thing that you described earlier, you go to the Thanksgiving party and all people ask you about is your sport endeavor. So you do better at sport, mm -hmm. not necessarily connected to a person, even though we hope it is. You get more attention. That happens in the gyms. Whoever has the fastest friend time gets the most attention. Whoever's the most jacked, the most attention. 
Well, if all we do is help people do things to win, and if that's the main goal, then it becomes about winning at all costs. And people are willing to win at all costs, then push your emotions down, push your feelings down, you've got to win. You can cheat to win. You can bend all these other things. Or we can say, let's build this part that now will go with you in any endeavor you want to go. And now I bet you can get really fit because when you do fail that front squat, you're like, fall down seven, stand up eight. I got it. Right. Yeah, it's not indicative yeah. of your self-worth. Yeah. You have a strong value system that you know that you're process oriented yeah. and you're simply f- attached to the, the process and giving your best effort as opposed to just the outcome or the external circumstances, which are completely outside of your control. hundred percent. That's beautiful, yeah. man. I really like that. Thank you. Just to uh business wise, man, kind of share with everybody what you've got cooking, what's going on with your individual program design, some of the things you're doing for different gyms. Yeah. And then obviously the youth empowerment program for kids. The Trident family taught me something really important this last year, that we are all a bundle of stories, both good, bad, and everything in between. All of their cold brews remind their customers that they are part of something bigger than themselves. I start my day with the sweet cream cold brew as I am prepping my mind and body for fitness, service, coaching, and podcasting. With various locations in San Diego, they offer over 14 nitro cold brews and a variety of specialty drinks. You can find the perfect brew and pair it with one of their treats from the Keto Bakery. You can check them out over at tridentcoffee.com and use code ALLSMITH to take your coffee experience to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. The the number one thing I do, you know, kind of the core of it is like my, my main coaching program and why I work with people in all backgrounds. I have uh, some athletes that are going to the Olympics for you know different sports. One in Taekwondo that I work with over at Big Shot to Kenny Kane's gym again at Oak Park in Santa Monica. We meet there and, and there's still a part of me that, you know, obviously is fascinated by that and loves to problem solve and figure that out. At the core, it is so many athletes that are now ex-athletes that have family, career, everything, and want to try and make this fit so they they know who they are. They're that best self for, for them. So that's my main program. The the ways it's changed over the time was it used to be like, All right, here's your new workouts. All right, cool. Let's do workouts and macros, right? And then really understanding on a deeper level that so many athletes have been through so much training stress and lifestyle stress that what are the effects of stress now, like it hit me, on having a career, having a family, having these other parts, and how do we help them understand the levers in the day, both from say metabolic and hormonal levels to environmental uh, psychological stressors in these ones so they can really get uh, back in control of their daily uh, focus. That would probably be the biggest change I made in the last four years over that was a, a large focus of everything around it to where training is probably I'd say 10% of the focus. Now the training has to be right, gotta be structured properly, of course, but the idea that I was gonna solve it by giving you perfect training now. It's all these other pieces to support again. Does lifestyle support training? Yes, does training support Mm. lifestyle? How does that work? And so helping them understand now, yeah, you can have date night and do this. You can go off and travel and not, you've gotta come back and do six workouts to make up for it. There's ways to make this all fit and to keep it and to keep that cycle going. Uh, going a step deeper would be now really getting into uh, you know 
like I said, metabolic and hormonal uh, assessments and really trying to create people. I'd say the easiest way to put it would be like almost like a blueprint for themselves of here's your labs, here's what's happening from whether it's a gut microbiome test, uh, blood lab test and analysis, et cetera, to go, well, good, Bryce. Well, here is what in a flexible way you need to be doing training, you know, here where not everyone needs to be kind of pinned down of, hey, Tuesday this. Like I said, I'm, I'm not operating like that right now. There will be times I do, but I've kind of got my blueprint. Here's what I need to eat. Here's the supplements that work for me. Here's the recovery cycle. Here's my hard days. Here's my medium days. Here's my easy days. And I know how to kind of mix and match. So trying to work with people on a little bit of a higher level, uh, higher thinking level has been really interesting there. So I'm excited probably most to see where that goes this year uh, because it combines those two pieces of structure and doing it right with lifestyle freedom, right? And really trying to optimize all the different spokes within the wheel of life. Yes. So that way health, fitness is health, fitness, you know, play, yeah. all the things that we talked about from a physical standpoint harmonize yeah. with the date nights, the adventures, the outdoor mm -hmm. journeys that, that we all want to go on and, you know, work, work life balance, trying to yeah. make sure that we're exceeding expectations to the best of our ability and truly living a beautiful life. I, I love right. what you're doing, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you giving me a gentle peek behind the curtain today and kind of giving me a glimpse into your beautiful mindset that continues to evolve and all the people that you continue to share it with. Is there anything that I missed today that you'd love to touch on or share with our community? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think you did a really great job and it's always awesome to talk. It's been great to catch up and, you know, go down memory lane on uh, you know, how we first connected and then just how those things changed over time and, you know, again, again, giving things space to change and, and still being okay. You know, I guess the last thing I'll say is, is this the, it triggered the thought in my head, you even mentioning that, that, uh, that idea that we're, we're, are you on your training plan? Are you on your plan or off your plan, right? That's the idea now is really, you should never be off. And not because you're so strict and rigid that it's all your plan. The, the new version has to be that, yeah, you're, you're good. And if you do go snowboarding for a week, if you do go for, you know, overseas for a bit, it, this is all on plan now. It's not off training. That's a different lever to pull and a different string. But uh, once we can give it space to do that, I think that we're not so rigid to feel like I failed, I messed up, I got to get back, I got to, I got to do my three day water detox and these these thoughts that kind of spiral us here and they spiral us worse down the road, you know. Uh, and everyone's guilty of them on some level for sure. I'm sure I am, but having that space to to know that you'll figure it out, you've got it dialed in, and you're going to come out the other side okay is is really powerful. I'm, I hope everyone can, can find a way to have that. I love that, man. Creating buffers yeah. for life, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think if you train appropriately, consistently over time, it allows the time and the space to take the trips or to have yeah. the cheat meal or to do the things that light your heart on fire yeah. and give you joy and happiness. Yeah. That's great, man. Tim, where can people find you and gain access to all the cool things that you're yeah, doing? The easiest way would probably be Instagram uh, at TimFac or on my a new website. I didn't have a website for like six years. Just didn't want one. Just like, like you'll figure it out if you want to talk. But I, I will have timfact.com by the time this is up. We'll be up. So yeah, Very cool, so, so th those two make it easy.
I used to have the best Instagram name. I used to be Hunnitz at Instagram, all from the rap song by Tyga. <laughs> and no one could pronounce it. And it was like the funniest thing. If you knew the joke, it was so good. And I thought, you got to be an adult. I think when I have my daughter, like, okay, I got to drop the I dropped the rap hand, rap handle and, <laughs> and step it up here for, for the kids. So I'm always walking that line. There you have it, yeah. guys. Hunt it. Hunt it. Find him on <laughs> IG at Tim Thack. Yeah. Dude, it's been awesome yeah. chopping it up with you. Thank you so much. Thank Let's you. definitely hop on another call soon. Can't wait. We are, we're cut from the same cloth. Everything today was really creating imagery for people to, to live a larger life. Yeah. And the structure and values with fitness to then synergize and harmonize into people in pursuit of what really makes them happy and, you know, self-reflecting and looking back and thinking, you know what? I did it my way. And I was fortunate to have some tools in my toolbox and listen to some cool conversations that supported all of those things. So thank you for your time and your energy today. For those of you listening, if you enjoyed my conversation with Tim Thackeray, super coach who helps ex-athletes and amazing humans pursue their peak expression. Please rate, review, subscribe, and remember, greatness is forged, not found. Till next time, guys.